Listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime, at the gym, while commuting, or on the go, and on any device. We'll always pick right back up where you left off. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you keep forever even if you cancel. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. You can get titles from your favorite iHeart talent such as Chelsea Handler, Danny Shapiro, Charlemagne the God, and Bobby Bones on Audible. Start listening now with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash iHeart or text iHeart to 500-500. My guest who's on the phone right now, you know, Steve Hightower, that's a famous name, you know, because Steve Harvey... Steve Harvey, you know, yeah, I, I know he's been getting ribbed all his life, at least last 10 years. My guest is the president and CEO of High Towers Petroleum, leads a $300 million business enterprise consisting of five national international businesses, all providing energy solutions. A self-made entrepreneur since 1979. He was featured in the January 2017 segment of CNBC's Blue Collar Millionaires. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Stephen L. Hightower. How are you, sir? I try to I try to get all your credits in, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, 1979, you're an entrepreneur. Did, 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 does the word entrepreneur does, right now? Everybody's using it now. You know, entrepreneur. You know, because that's just that's the, the millennials. They just want to be entrepreneurs. Millennials is that age group, 18 to 34. 1979, you become an entrepreneur. What did that mean to you back in 1979? Well, 1979, I had uh, already made a decision that I wasn't going to work in the uh, steel mill here in Middletown, Ohio, Mm -hmm. that I was going to spend the next 30 years working for myself. And having made that decision at age 18, Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably the best decision that I ever made in my life uh, was to say that I'm going to start today and continue to be an entrepreneur, and I'm I'm going to forego working out in a steel mill uh, for the next 30 years, of which I felt that I would receive a gold watch and a pension, <laughs> or mm-hmm. what would I get if I did 30 years into myself? And uh, fortunately, I made the right decision. Okay, now, Steve, that sounds very simple, and I respect you, because guess what? 18, Rashawn was nowhere thinking about trying. I was just wanted a job, okay? And I admire individuals who get it so quickly. 18 years old, you said, look, I'm going to bet on me. What, what what background allowed you to be able to make that decision? Well, as a uh, youth, uh, my family, we grew up in a janitorial business, so I had already been working 
in the uh, cleaning business with mm-hmm. our family mm-hmm. uh, probably since I was six years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember dusting the bottom of chairs and doing baseboards. But by the time I was 13 and 14, I was out on a truck uh, actually working in people's homes and in the industry. And by the time I was 18, I uh, actually negotiated my first commercial contract. So I was, I was somewhat on a fast track, but <laughs> had already had visibility of uh, what was possible and, and what I saw my father doing and my mother and uh, just wanted to always be that person. You know, it's really, I was at Bishop T.D. Jakes on the phone, and, you know, everybody knows him for being a bishop, uh, a religious leader. And his background, his parents, you know, he's from West Virginia, mm-hmm. were entrepreneurs. His mom sold right. houses, his dad had a janitorial service. And so it's that background that kind of gives you that leadership or that guidance that you can do this, that makes you step away from being, I would have to say, normal, because everybody goes through life saying, you know, graduate from high school, get your job, get married. And your, your family was, look, Work for yourself. You can win being yourself. So you had mentors and parents that could guide right. you through. When you made this decision, it wasn't like some unconscionable thing. What? Better yourself? That's impossible. They said, like you said, at 18, you'd already negotiated your first contract. Absolutely. Well, you know, many that example is is uh, tremendous because in our communities, uh, many of us see the uh, – the money-making examples is the gentleman on the uh, corner who uh, has a wad of cash mm-hmm. uh, making it illegally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, to be – and then other has examples of their parents uh, going to work 8 to 5 uh, in the steel mill, and that's what they want to be. Others have seen prof- their uh, family uh, go to school, have higher education, uh, become teachers, doctors, and lawyers, and you have a tendency of those children – following in those footsteps as well. Uh, the one thing that we lack in our community is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, to see at a very early age uh, your parents actually out there working uh, in the business world, uh, developing customers versus developing a job. And even though my father worked at AK Steel, uh, which was Armco Steel at the time for Mm -hmm. 40 years, Mm -hmm. uh, and had his business at the same time, I just chose not to go into the steel mill, but to continue the business, the family business, and continue to grow that particular business into something uh, for my family. And at a very early age, even at, at by the age of 23, I had four children uh, of my own. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was somewhat, I was going to school full-time, uh, working in a business full-time, and then growing a family all at the same time. So I've always been a busybody, I would say. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were busy. You were busy. I'm, I'm going to let that slide, though, but you were busy. <laughs> Stephen L. Hightower was busy. But I'm on the phone talking to, uh, he's on the phone with Stephen L. Hightower. He's the president and CEO of Hightower's Petroleum. Um, uh, leads a business over $300 million business enterprise. Tell us about that business because they're saying that listed by Black Enterprise is one of the United States' top 10 most profitable African-American-owned businesses. Well, you know, getting in, coming, transferring from the janitorial business into the petroleum business, uh, when your family has been in the uh, janitorial business for so many years, mm-hmm. uh, you really wasn't accepted uh, to become anything other than a janitor in your own community. Mm-hmm. And so we really had to leave 
and and not physically from my business where I live and sleep, but actually had to go into other cities to start selling fuel because it was just not something that your community would accept you for being anything but a janitor. And um, I tell everybody it's not where you sleep that determines your outcome, it's where you go. And one of the things that I learned very early was the business wasn't going to come to Middletown. I had to go to the business. Right. And as a result of that, I I continued to, first of all, go regionally, Dayton, Cincinnati, then uh, throughout the state, and then through multiple states. And now today, I work throughout the entire United States, right. Mexico, <laughs> Canada, and South Africa. Uh, and, and it's just a, a philosophy of wanting more, uh, knowing that more is available, and that if you know how to do business, somebody in this world will do business with you. And you have a billion possibilities of somebody saying yes to anything that you've got to offer. Well, you know, I want to just tell you, before we go, go into the next break here, I wanted to say this about you, and um, it's important to have mentors and parents who see your vision. Uh, my father was a truck driver. I remember... Um, he just couldn't understand why I wanted to not work a normal job. He just, he just couldn't wrap his head around that because that's all he did. He worked a normal job. Mm-hmm. He drove trucks. And so that mentorship, as you said, is really important. And your parents were your mentors. They, they had no problem you know, letting you understand the value of betting on yourself through proper planning and proper engagement. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more, break down exactly what does your business do. He's on the phone, Steve L. Hightower, you know. He's president and CEO. He's doing his thing. And you're in Ohio, based in Ohio, right, sir? Yeah, that is correct. Middletown, okay. Ohio, between Dayton and Cincinnati. We'll be right back with more Mr. Hightower on Money Making Conversations. We're here. Steve, you still there with me? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just telling my, my friends off air, my producers, that, uh, you know, I did not have that, 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 that mentorship. And I'm not saying nothing negative about my parents. First of all, let's get that clear. But I know that, like you said, that guiding force is why you are in the position you are in today. But you also said that you were in the cleaning business. The transition to this oil and gas business, people didn't understand that. They didn't see that. They didn't see that as a possibility. So you were, in a, you were, you had to recreate the mold. You had a mold, but you had to recreate it to get to where you are today. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. So if you look at where we started in the janitorial business and how did I transfer over into the petroleum business yes, was uh, the state of Ohio had a set aside uh, in 1979. Mm-hmm. And in 1981, one of the commodities that they set aside was was petroleum. I was selling industrial materials, so anything the state would set aside, I literally went out and got a supplier and, and then quoted that particular product. And literally, we were selling everything from lumber, uh, drywall, uh, guardrail, Pinto beans, it didn't matter. The state buy everything. And so we would try to sell everything. And one day we actually uh, had a contract for gasoline and diesel for the entire state. I, I was transactional enough to go out and find a supplier. The contract was big enough that the supplier would support it. And my first contract in the petroleum industry was the entire state of Ohio. 
Wow. Not that I knew anything about petroleum, but I <laughs> was transactional and knew enough about business to go out, invoice, and then pay my bill. And that's how I literally got into the petroleum business with an opportunity of an affirmative action tool, which many people frown on and look, look bad at. But however, that was how I got that opportunity. And that's why I fight for the opportunity for other African-American youth to get, you know, be a part of these programs because it doesn't guarantee success, but it guarantees an opportunity. And that's many, thing, many times what we're lacking is that opportunity. And that's but all we're asking for. That. That's all we're asking for, that opportunity. Absolutely. And, that, and that's so, the key in it. So, Right. So you take that opportunity and then you actually turn it into a business. And within a couple of years, I knew I had something. So I changed from Landmark Supply Company to Hightowers Petroleum in 1984 and specifically began to uh, start selling jet fuel, uh, hauling jet fuel for BP, of which BP at that particular time supported me for my PUCO hauling authority after I had taken the contract from the state from them, actually, uh, because they could not bid it and they would not support me on that first contract, but they began to work with me as a, as a hauler for jet fuel. And that's when I really knew that I had arrived because I actually had some credential in the petroleum industry as a contract carrier for BP. Uh, but even with that, that was just a, a drop in the bucket. And over a period of time, going through courses and executive management courses, I began to know that uh, it was time to try to grow this into a real business. And, and once I began to focus on that as a business, many of the other things that I was selling kind of fell to the side because I knew that was a real opportunity to grow. The banks would not go along with me. So I had to figure out how I'm going to be sustainable in a business, in an industry where I can't get banking. Uh, however, the major oil companies would not deal with you because you don't have a bank. How do you go from zero into this industry without any money? Right. And what I was able to understand was that if the opportunity is big enough, you can find a supplier that would be interested in that opportunity if you show them a way they can get paid. And that's when I became to get creative enough to try to come up with instruments, banking instruments that were not lines of credit, was not the bank loaning me money, but the bank being able to hold our money and then allow our suppliers to take theirs first. And that was my key that I began to stay in the industry, mm -hmm. began to grow mm -hmm. from one supplier to the other. Once I figured out that formula mm -hmm. of showing them how they can get paid, even though the bank would not loan me any money, right. I continued all the way up to $235 million in revenue before I got my first bankable loan. And, you know, so can you do it without any money? <laughs> Absolutely. we got to be creative. You know, Eli, uh, what is his name? Eli Lilly, uh, or what, what's his name? Eli that invented the cotton gin. He invented the cotton gin because he was tired of picking cotton. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I was tired of not being in the business, so I figured it out. And we have that creativity and that desire and drive that – just because we don't have a tool, i.e., if that's money, we figure it out and we continue to play until you get to a point where you don't need their money and then they're ready to give you all kind of money. Yeah, Mr. Hightower's blue chip customer base includes Duke Energy, General Motors Corporation, the Kroger, the Kroger Company, FedEx, Ford Motor Company, UPS, Honda, Con Edison, Nissan, United Rentals, 
Dominion Transportation, Pepco, and the state of Ohio. My man, you are blue chip. <laughs> and you well, said you said you had you got up to two hundred and thirty five million before you heard you had your first bankable loan. That is correct. Congratulations. And, you know, and, and, and during that period of time having blue chip customers and it was not it's it's very easy for the African American community to go towards government and government contracts. But the key is to understand how to do business to business in the commercial space because that's what's sustaining those customers. They do what they want to do. You can have those customers as long as they want to have you. There's no uh, government regulations that they've got to bid every year. Uh, you've got to be low bidder. You just have to do a good job. You've got to perform every day and give that customer what they want. And so the private sector business to business is what we need to begin to teach our community as a space that's sustainable and where we really need to be in order to scale and become viable in this economy. Mr. Hightower, how about your kids? Are your kids engaged in the business? I've got three uh, kids, a, a daughter who's been with me since high school, uh, two sons. One works on the construction side. Another son is the chief operating officer of Hightower's Petroleum. Uh, then I have a nephew who is a, my uh, chief technical officer uh, over the IT. And my father, who is 87, he still comes into the office every morning at 7.15. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, that, we're puts still, a that puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, as long as I have a business, he's got a business to uh, to come to every day. Well, I love the fact you said uh, over, ET, over the IT department, COO, construction, you key positions, key intellectual positions in your company are controlled by relatives who could do the job, not because they're just nepotism. They can do the job. That has they to do. make you feel good. It, well, you know, they had to grow into it. They didn't just get it. And, and that's the other thing about having family in your business. Uh, it's, it's either it can be the best thing or the worst thing if you have family that will do the right thing. And, you know, I've had family that don't work for me um, and have been fired. Uh, and that's just, you know, because they weren't in line with the values that I had for where I was going. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to, whether that's a child or a brother or even a mother, if, that's, if it comes down to that, be willing to make those types of decisions where you know where you're going and either they hit you on or they've got to, you know, unclamp and get out the way. Well, this is a beautiful conversation I'm having with Stephen L. Hightower, president and CEO of Hightower's Petroleum. Some of his blue chip customer base are Duke Energy, General Motors, the Kroger Company, FedEx, Ford Motor Company, UPS, Honda, Con Edison, Nissan, United Rentals is based in Ohio. Sir, um, I don't have time to talk. Can I bring you back on the show to talk about your community efforts? Because I wanted first to get your story out. And that's the purpose of money making conversation. Can I, can, I get it, can I get you back on the show? Absolutely, absolutely. And I love to bring, 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 bring your, the CEO, COO on there, your son. And if your dad okay. can, I'd love to get that three-generational interview. Can I do that? Well, we can we can reach for that. At age eighty-seven, he doesn't do many interviews, but you know we could. <laughs> just tell, him, just say, "Pop, say hello, say hello, say hello." <laughs> he he can't say hello. Though. Thank you. I want to appreciate you calling my show. Keep winning because you got something great going on in high Ohio, Ohio. And thank you for coming on my show, telling your story. All right, again, thank you for the opportunity.
you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. So, go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart.